break, draft, trade. For our first episode, we are sharing our philosophies and strategies we use when ranking, drafting, and trading to set the tone going forward as we progress through the offseason discussing interests in the dynasty landscape like the rookies, the combine, free agency, the NFL draft. So from deep startups to trade breakdowns, subscribe to stay up to date with an entertaining presentation of logic designed to hone the way you think and process information, serving dynasty fantasy football content with a garnish of intelligent humor. Why? Yeah. You know. Okay. All right. <laughs> Break, draft, trade. Oh, yay. That whole thing. Thank you. Must be nice. You just nailed that. Yes. Thank you. Let, let me make sure I'm doing this too. Okay, hold on. Break, draft, trade. We're going to give our specifics here. Okay. Awesome. Okay. No, this is forever. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah, it's still going. No, it wasn't. You're lying. Yep. We've all done that already. They get two attempts at it though, so it's like. This keeps going. Oh, it is. You can always just change your username and make a new one. That's what everyone else does. I'll, co- I'll come in with G Noble this time. <laughs> so I like will smack it sometimes in my hand. I like doing expressions. <laughs> Giants fan, and that helps me cope with disappointment. <laughs> Much like Giants quarterbacks have been for many years. Oh, don't talk about that. Okay, okay. <laughs> and in this corner, we have five feet and nine inches of fantasy football aficionado, <laughs> Mizzou products, a saint of sorts. You might have heard of him as one of the hosts on Dynasty Wire, our king. Henry St. Clair. You know, the uh, temporary stint as King Henry was excellent. Now we await for Derrick Henry to once again fall off, which we are sure will happen. 
It's a matter of time, right? Even Tom Brady finally succumbed to Father Time. Lastly, but certainly not leastly, the producer of our show, Dynasty Theorist, Commonly Commish, Trade Addict, and Team Organizer, comping most closely to Devonta Smith and looking like a little George Kittle, founder of the RDT team, our resident Iowa Hawkeye fan, Nick James, otherwise referred to as Iowa. Hey there, guys. Glad to be here. Ready to kick this off. Crossing over from Dynasty Wire here with Henry. Excited to get this started. That was my one regret on Dynasty Wire. It was, we were planning on doing that show, and we had bought our equipment. And I was like, you know, when are we going to get Mike on the show? Because he had bought his equipment. He was great. He's always an excellent person to talk to about things, very knowledgeable. And when we finally started this podcast, I was like, you know, who do you really want on the show? And I was like, let's get Mike. So finally have him. Yep, glad to have you here too, Mike. Uh, one of my favorite uh, league mates. One of the people I see making the most trades in in the leagues I'm in. One of the more active people. That, and then when it comes to like the podcast and everything, you've always been the first to jump up and volunteer. Uh, always wanting to be part. Always great ideas, and uh, appreciate you joining us. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks a lot, guys. For our first episode, we're sharing our philosophies and strategies we use when ranking, drafting, and trading. Kick it off, Noble. Okay, okay. To kick it off, I know you guys have been grinding year-round, and one of those projects is the RDT group rankings. What strategy or approach do you use when creating dynasty ranks? Mike, let's start with you. All right, now the RDT group rankings are all based on the 12-team Superflex, so whenever I'm looking at rankings, the most important thing is going to be format. That's going to change a lot of things when you're going from 12 teams to 16 teams to 12 teams to 10 teams. That's always going to go ahead and change how players are ranked. Based a lot of it on position scarcity, obviously age, the older running backs are going to go ahead and drop further for me. Uh, wide receivers, quarterbacks are going to last longer. Tight ends are going to take longer to develop. So I'm you know, not as likely to take the younger ones earlier, except for Pitts. Yeah, the, it's important definitely to know the assumptions when you're looking at ranks. That's how you can best interpret the information to be able to use it yourself. Oh yeah, and scoring too makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. The rankings you're discussing there, there are Dynasty as well, 12-team Superflex PPR. As we rank those together, we try to gather what is like a group consensus. And like you said there, it's uh, important that we're all on the same page, playing on the same field. Okay. Henry, how about you? What strategy or approaches do you use when creating Dynasty ranks? Yeah, I think it was so presumed there that we're talking PPR that Mike actually forgot to even mention it because most all of our leagues are going to be PPR, but some of mine aren't PPR, and there's some debate on whether or not that helps the top tier of wide receivers because they are that much more advantageous to have getting those receptions. It also differentiates certain players like A.J. Brown is not a high reception total guy, but he gets a lot of yards and touchdowns. Perhaps it actually helps him more not being in a PPR league because Cooper Cup is going to score fewer points, those high reception number guys. So when I look at rankings, obviously I take into account the league format, number of teams, scoring, tight end premium, you know, six-point passing, touchdowns, whatever it is. But as a whole, if we're talking super flex, PPR like we do, you really need to prioritize young proven quarterbacks and young proven running backs because there's so few of them Wide receivers, you can take dart throws on those guys all, all day long. They're going to be first-round and second-round receivers taken every year that are going to bust and are going to hit, and there's maybe going to be 20 wide receivers taken in the first three rounds of this year's draft. When you look at running backs and quarterbacks, maybe five of each. You know, who knows? 
So getting one of those guys is going to be that much more valuable, in my opinion. By prioritizing youth in rankings, that is the difference between like redraft and dynasty, specifically, as a topic or narrative. You may look at two players, and one may be worth more than the other, and one didn't score a whole lot of points, and the other one scored a whole lot of points, but the one that didn't score a whole lot has the youth and is eventually going to happen like a Trey Lance. And you would clearly rather have a Trey Lance than a Derek Carr. But Derek Carr clearly scored a lot more points. So if you have a redraft mindset, you might be looking at it like uh, you're just looking at the box score and seeing Derek Carr as a borderline QB1, a high-end QB2, and Lance barely played. Definitely important to know that when we talk about like the group ranks and whatnot, those are, those are based in Dynasty. And when you hear, uh, you know, touts for the youth, that's why. Iowa, how about your approach? Aligning with a lot of things that they were saying there. To add on to that, a lot of it is based in tiers for me. Like I might have a lot of the high producing, but well past the age apex wide receivers in a tier. And just depending on whether it's the middle of the season and I'm win now or I'm rebuilding, I might move a whole tier up and down based on the goal of my team or the direction of my squad. Prioritizing age and youth, for sure, it can be uh, overblown to a point where you can kind of take advantage of those who just prioritize the ones still in the crib. Criddle. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Setting, scoring, rosters all play a major part. Uh, when you assume 12 team super flex, for me, that's two RBs, two wide receivers, three flex, and a tight end, other than your quarterbacks and super flex. So, you know, you've got around 120 players starting in a given week. 12 teams, 10 starters, 120 players, about 300 players rostered total before you start counting like IR, depending on how you do that. So that plays a part too, because if it's a league where you're starting like 160 every week, you might bump up those fringe guys that are taken in the flex territory is a little bit more important, especially if they're just older and they've been pushed down there, but they you know still have a chance to produce like you know Paris Campbell or Sterling Shepard. Those guys might be a little bit more important in a league that starts more than 120 players a week because uh, there's no way to leave a draft with enough studs to fill out your starting ranks. So you're going to do some streaming. Leading into our next question, a solid set of rankings definitely leads to a successful draft experience. When it comes to draft day, start up a rookie. What's your overall strategy? Henry, let's start with you. Well, I could say the cliche of draft around what your opponents are doing. So if your opponents are going old, you zig when they zag. Like we're currently doing a startup where it's round 24 and I don't have a running back. Obviously, we can take kickers for rookie picks here, which is interesting. So I hope to get my hands on some of those very young running backs, which is overall one of my big strategies for drafting is get those young stud running backs because there are so few of them that we're certain that are bell cow, three down running backs that are under the age of 25. Uh, And then the shelf life being what it is. So I also tend to fade tight end unless it's a heavy tight end premium. You only have to play one weekly. You're not going to play against a top three tight end every week when you're playing. You're not going to go against Mark Andrews, Kelsey, Kittle, you know, Pitts, whatever it is. You can win with a fringe tight end too. And tight ends are so inconsistent that year over year, you just have to get lucky with which guy gets the touchdowns. Like this year it was Dawson Knox. Year before that it was Jonu Smith. There's always some name that you did 
didn't expect every year. Like Logan Thomas, Dalton Schultz, whoever it is, year after year, and he just hit a dart. So the young stud quarterbacks are going to last hopefully 10 years. So if you get your hands on a Josh Allen, that's a roster spot locked in that you don't have to worry about, uh, which makes him incredibly valuable. And so there are kind of tier breaks in drafting right now. I was filling out my rankings the other day and realized after Dak Prescott, after those top seven quarterbacks, you know, like Lamar, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, a couple other guys up there, that there just was no eighth quarterback that I liked anywhere near the others. And so it almost pushes their value farther up because they're in a league of their own. So we look at kind of tier-based drafting within positions and not necessarily always panicking when you see a bunch of quarterbacks have gone and you go, oh, I need a quarterback. I'm not going to get one later. You can always trade. Draft mostly based off of value and then trade for need later. And we all know size matters to you, Henry. <laughs> if I see a guy on the board that's five foot nine, doesn't matter the position. This could be Kyler Murray, and I'm, I'm drafting him. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, how about your draft strategy? All right, so I know the three of us draft very similarly, usually. That's why we hate drafting near each other. I know we all like to say, you know, draft what's on the board and everything, but my biggest thing the first couple of rounds is not to back myself into a corner where I have to go one way to force myself one way. That's why you're generally not going to see me get the Dalvin Cooks or the older running backs. I'm going to kind of lean towards youth without sacrificing too much value in production so that I can still go towards a, a roster that can win right away, but I'm not locked into having to go that way. I can still go for the rookie picks and the younger players and, you know, take some more of the upside picks later on. As far as rookie drafts, I'm pretty much going straight value across the board. Um, if I'm more comfortable with my league mates and I kind of know how they're going to draft, that might affect how I'm going to pick my players, but for the most part, it's player one, then player two, then player three. I'm going straight down the list. Okay, Iowa, you and I are co-owners in many leagues, so I kind of already know your draft <laughs> strategy, but why don't you explain it to everybody else? Yes, uh, we have uh, attack drafts as a duo on many an occasion. Similar things to Henry, I prefer to fade tight end or wide receiver. As he was talking about the tight ends there, it's like pretty much the tight ends that are back end tight end ones. It's just like a rotating door who could be there every year. I mean, like you might have, you have your tier, Kelsey and Kittle in prior years. And then now, you know, the torch might be getting passed to like Pitts with uh, Andrews and Hawkson waiting in the in the ranks but for the most part the difference between the tight end seven and the tight end 17 isn't that much especially drafting when you are drafting definitely plays a part in how i approach a draft like the draft we're in right now it's gonna be a long time before football happens we still have the draft and free agency and all that ahead of us to look forward to and get to here if you're drafting right now, there's a whole lot of risk and question marks attached to tons of players. So as a strategy right now in drafts, the players where they have question marks, I am not taking them at what would be best case scenario with their question marks. If they have question marks, I want to be the guy that gets the deal on those guys. Even right now, like Amon Ross St. Brown, I know I broke your heart in that draft because we didn't pick Amon Ross St. Brown, but a guy that uh, lacks draft capital blew up at the end of the season. I remember when we liked Quintez Cephas, who was also someone who lacked draft capital and wasn't necessarily super highly touted. Now I'm Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, 
there's definitely some reasons to like him, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if they bring in somebody and it just becomes, or oh, I don't know, maybe Swift and Hawkinson are on the field. You know, there's a, there's a ton of things that could take away from that for sure. So the question marks are there for him, yet he's being drafted like they don't draft anyone and Hawkinson or Swift are hurt all next year. It, that's where he's being taken. It's not that I don't like the player. I just don't care for where he's being taken. So it's identifying the question marks and then trying to pick those guys at, as a value, not at their peak. Henry discussed value fall off, and that's definitely evident in the very first round of startups. The quarterbacks he listed there, plus, you know, Kyler, Herbert, they're all locked in first round picks. Uh, I've seen Dak fall out of the first round once, but a lot of QBs going in the first round, and I think it is because of that cliff in value. Because after them, it drops down to, is it Watson or Hurts? You know, disappointing season from Trevor Lawrence. Hopefully that gets better. You have the rushing upside guys, you know. And this is after Lance, which I feel like he's like the divider and then and those guys that I was discussing there, when I'm on the clock, it's looking at it as if I don't take this player, how good is the player at this position available at my next pick? How good is he? Because if the value fall off is tremendous, it might be worth it to reach just a little bit to get one of the good QBs because the value fall off at running back might be, yeah, you skipped on CMC, but you got Dalvin Cook. Yes, CMC's a year younger, obviously has great upside, but you ended up with a better quarterback than you would have. Like in this draft, I ended up taking Watson because I knew by the time it came back around to me, granted, this is 14-team super flex, I should say, that my QB options were going to be super limited, and they were. It was Tua was the best quarterback on the board. It would have been my QB1 if I hadn't taken one at the turn, even though I like several of those players after Watson. So it's looking for uh, sweet spots in uh, ADP or players getting drafted and trying to find where to attack certain positions. But the long explanation touched on a few things. We'll definitely get to more of them as we uh, progress through these episodes in this offseason. Yeah, I found it interesting. You talked about being risk-averse in a draft and saying you passed on Amon Ross St. Brown. Obviously, we have the man here today who drafted him in that draft, who also took Carson Wentz around before that. And then, obviously, you said it there, you took Watson. Now, again, I uh, don't want to dive too deep in the woods to Watson. None of us are attorneys, and we hope the best for everyone involved there. But certainly some risk involved. I think most people could agree. So there's there's a point where the risk, you know, the upside of Watson, you may believe is top five value in a dynasty. You know, 15th overall, maybe that's your line for where you think if this blows up, I'm okay with that risk. But would be willing to take him, you know, at ceiling, maybe you think that's not his ceiling. So unfortunately how it fell there, it almost is taking Watson as ceiling there. Now, once again, 14 team super flex. So I know every guy in this draft and quarterbacks were going to be prioritized. It wasn't going to be like drafts where people play normally one QB and they fade quarterbacks and super flex drafts. No, I knew all the QBs were going to be gone. Now, do I really want to take Watson there? No, I would have much preferred to be able to pick Lance on the turn there, but was unable to do so. So I really didn't want to pick Hertz, even though I like Hertz a lot and I feel like the long term here, two, three years from now, I'm probably more confident that Watson's still playing than Hurts. It's a different kind of risk. Like with Watson, if he didn't have this all going on, he was taken in the first round of every startup last year, right before the uh, these allegations broke. 
it was what five thousand yards, and the year before that we saw the playoff game against the Bills where he gets sandwiched by two defenders, spins off, throws a forty-yard laser. I mean, the guy is unreal talent-wise, so it's understandable. Yeah, not even a great supporting cast. Made Will Fuller get paid. Mm-hmm. So just hoping that that's better than waiting and getting Tua instead. As far as I'm on, Mike, what's your thoughts there? I thought he was a good value where I had taken him. I don't think he's. You know, I don't think he's like one of the guys that we took in the first round in the rookie drafts last year. That's not where I put him, but right now where he's worth about a late first, he's young. He does have golf at quarterback, which is not very exciting. And they will probably add someone there, but he did look really good at the end of the season. And I just thought he was worth the risk there to take. I agree with you, Mike. And I tried with all of my might to get Iowa to take him, but I did not win out. But we may end up seeing Iowa have to make a trade for him because he regrets that pick. It wouldn't be the first time you've pounded your pounded the table for someone and I've had to go out and reluctantly buy Miles Gaskin against my will. Uh, or, or, you know, yes, whoever. you did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get the I told you so moment. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of trades. Leading into our next topic, you guys trade more than anyone I have ever known in the world of fantasy. This happens to be my least favorite thing to do and causes me much anxiety. But thank God I have you guys. I lean on you a lot for trade advice. Um, I know Iowa gets all of my trade questions. He's probably tired of hearing it. But I do credit a lot of my own success winning leagues to your expertise on trading. What's one thing specifically you guys can tell this audience that would help them understand your perspective when conducting a trade? Now, when I'm conducting a trade and when I'm giving you advice, they're two different things. I know you don't want to spend all day countering trade offers. You either want to take the deal or you want to send a deal that's going to get accepted. So a little bit different there. Me personally, I'm willing to counter into infinity. You just have to let me know who you want and who you're trying to sell. And I'll tell you what I can do. And you can tell me if that works for you or we can work around it. Pretty much approach it where, you know, like we said in the beginning here, high volume of leagues. I have a ton of shares. I have shares of everyone. There's no sentimental attachment to players where it's like, oh, I don't really want to trade this person or you have to give me even more than this person's worth because it's my only share share, I could care less. Those things don't affect you winning or losing how many shares you have specifically as far as from a league to league basis. So I'm willing to trade anyone if I can make it make sense. If I can make my team better, if you want to get a player, I'll move anyone. Now, there's definitely conditions as far as being able to make it make sense. Like you have one QB in a league and it's Zach Wilson. I'm definitely not trading that QB away. Like I was able to pry Zach Wilson from one of our league mates. Most of the time when I'm selling a QB, I need to get a QB. So if I the ability to get a QB without giving up one. I'm usually taking that deal even if I'm set at QB because you don't have to wait long. Someone's going to need one, especially when we're assuming 12-team Superflex, which is the case when we're talking. If we're not stating otherwise, then we're going to be assuming that it's 12-team Superflex. There's not enough QBs for everyone to have three. There's always going to be a need for a QB at some point during the season, so always willing to trade for a QB, or if I'm selling a QB, I often want to get a QB back. Okay, Mike, the trade aficionado, how about your trade advice? So a lot of similar things to what Iowa does, but uh, something he did not touch down on is understanding your league mates and how they value players is very big in that. If you don't know how your league mates are going to value their players, it's very difficult to even make a move happen. No, that makes sense. 
when I'm in leagues with you guys, we all share the same page where we're all ranking players with each other. So it is an interesting dynamic as far as us playing together because it's like playing poker with your cards face up. We all know what we think about him. There's no, should I send a deal and see if he's really low on? No, you could literally look and see. Understanding your league mates makes a big difference. And even if you're not, you know, part of a a crazy diehard group that spends time ranking players in sheets, if you've traded with a player before, you know you have potentially opened a pipeline. It's like recruiting. Once I've traded with someone, I feel like, hey, we've had successful negotiations before. We can probably do it again. So... Part of knowing your league mates or having traded with your league mates before. Both those things seem to help me a lot. King Henry, would you like to share your perspective? Yeah, I had a run-in the other day with a, a buddy of ours, Harry. He was asking for advice on a trade, and he was looking to trade DJ Moore from a team, and he got offered Cortland Sutton and Tony Pollard. And he asked it in a league chat, and this league almost unanimously took the DJ Moore side. I was like, wow, I don't even like Pollard, but that would be a smash except on the Pollard side for me. You know, I'm not typically a fan of not getting the best player in a deal, you know, splitting them up into multiple assets. But when the multiple assets add up to more by enough, like if I can get two players that are worth 60 in exchange for a player that's worth 100, I've gained 120 in value for selling 100. Maybe that's not quite enough to get rid of it, but... You know, four quarters don't equal a dollar is a big saying for us. You don't have unlimited roster space, but I sold Josh Jacobs the other day. And, you know, sell might be the wrong term, but I traded away Josh Jacobs the other day for Gabe Davis and Darnell Mooney. And it was like, you know, maybe I don't think Gabe Davis gets four touchdowns in the divisional round against the Chiefs every game, but he's a 23-year-old wide receiver with a great quarterback. Maybe they add someone, but he's certainly going to see the field. And Mooney, again, maybe much like Amon Ross St. Brown, not a ton of draft capital, is an athletic freak. Maybe they add someone, but again, young and someone that will be around the league for a long time. And it's a 10-team, so RB a little devalued. You kind of look at those those leagues that are a little different than your assumptions and try to figure out if people don't quite understand the way that a league format changes value. Like in a 10-team Superflex, I don't think Baker Mayfield is nearly as valuable as he would be in 12-team or 14-team because he's a back-end QB2 for as long as he plays, maybe. And in 10-team, that's like going to lose you most weeks because you're going to get killed at that quarterback two spot by a good quarterback. So if I can trade away someone uh, who's young, who I don't think will crack a lineup in a smaller team, that's always a great uh, choice for me. And yeah, selling older wide receivers is certainly a favorite pastime of mine. Trying to you know break up Devontae Adams or Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins into as many pieces as possible. Give me, give me the young guys for those people. Yep. Do any of the three of you have an absolute untouchable trade player? Somebody you would not trade? No, and I don't think that anybody should. Once a player is untradeable, that means that his value is absolutely high. You got a guy like, if you go on, you know, like different other, you know, fantasy football forums, you'll see Jamar Chase untradeable. Well, when you can get two, you know, a wide receiver one, a wide receiver two, and a first round pick or more, that just, you know, that just seems like something you have to at least explore. It's hard to get out of the now, but if you think like a year ago or two years ago, CMC was untradeable. If you had cashed out at that 1.01 consensus and anyone's crazy if they don't take him there, you would have cashed out and had more than probably what his value is now. Now you might even consider it like a dip because after uh, quite a few little injury deals, he's uh, definitely fallen in value a little bit there. And Henry, you brought up Gabe Davis. (laughs) 
in this draft we were talking about, I got Gabe Davis at the next turn. And I really don't know that there's a huge difference between like him and Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, I don't see any difference. Mm-hmm. They're close in age. Now Amon Ra is uh, obviously just now going into his sophomore season. Neither one has had a breakout season. Now Amon Ra, if you extrapolate his little game run with no one else out there on the field to the point where the Wiz Khalif Raymond isn't even playing, like maybe you could call that a breakout or at least a breaking stretch that approached breakout but wasn't long enough. But you know, Gabe Davis, oh, he puts up 200 yards in a game. Is that breaking out? No, we really haven't seen either one put like a full season together. Neither one has draft capital. Neither one is secured to be like the number one wide receiver on their team going into next season. So I see them in like a tier where they both have youth. They lack some things like a breakout or the appropriate draft capital for a team to be incredibly invested in them or even situation to where if I have to pass on Amon Ra two rounds earlier and I can get Gabe Davis, that's the kind of, when I was talking about like question marks, they have similar question marks and one's cheaper than the other. I'm typically targeting the other. Yeah, I'm certainly not trying to hold anyone from cradle to the grave in Dynasty. I don't even care if it is Zach Wilson. You know what I mean? And we all got that guy. For me, it's Zach Wilson. Now he's someone, you know, five years from now, I'll be like, yeah, sure, you can take Zach Wilson for three first-round picks or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, that's optimistic, some might say. <laughs> but <laughs> I noticed that you picked Braxton Berrios in this draft, too, and I'm like, this dude says he's not a Jets fan. <laughs> I did. Berrios will not be on the Jets next year, right? that down he won't be a new york jet where is he gonna be (laughs) who knows right uh maybe the bills need to replace beasley and they're like hey look barrios go back to new england who knows or gabe yeah um but like you were saying with cmc there look a couple years back todd Gurley, david johnson juju smith schuster was the consensus number one overall pick in dynasty startups i mean if you could split those guys into multiple pieces michael thomas two years ago you would be crazy to not sell at someone who is at apex at an age where it can only plateau or go down it's like buying a penny stock watching it become amazon or netflix and then never selling just holding it until eventually one day they die which everything does there was even a time last year for a few weeks where it was dk metcalf you know should you be taking him 101 because he was he was playing great he was 22 years old a wide receiver and you know i saw people take him 101 in a 12 team super flex league and they could have gotten patrick mahomes plus for that pick which is absolutely ridiculous looking back at it you know like when a player is untradeable or when a player is worth more than what they should be worth for any position, a wide receiver should never be 101 in a 12-team Superflex League. When you're approaching that value and you're getting more than that back for it, it's something you really have to look at. Yeah, in most scenarios, if you can turn one stud into two studs or more, it almost always makes sense. But yeah, cashing out when a player is incredibly overvalued is definitely something to consider there. Sure, it may have been harder to see with Juju as he was young and had Big Ben and A.B.'s leaving, and many people expected him to take that step forward. But again, when you're valuing someone at what you project them to do and not something that they have done, it's a little bit of the fear with you saying that Lance is up in that that group, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's a little bit projection. It was the third overall pick. They gave up a lot. Shanahan had success with RG3. You know, a lot is there. Very talented player. But 
you know, if someone wanted to take him top 10, I would caution them away from taking him over Dak Prescott or Kyler Murray or someone that we've seen at least put it on the field. Yep, and neither one of those guys are like, 33 years old where it's like yeah they're great but for how much longer deck he's not as young as many of the other quarterbacks that go actually he's going to be the oldest quarterback that goes in the first round but it's not like nearing the end and that team is still pretty stacked as far as lance the question marks that he has i like his question marks more than i like a lot of the other quarterbacks in a similar range i like his question marks more at least the potential to be like people thought josh allen were was mitch trubisky there for a hot second and now he's then 1.01 in super flex startups for many people and that's largely because one he can pass he's on a good team and he is young well lance is on a good team and he's young and he runs so all he has to do is just be handed that key and he's probably going to be drafted about where he's going because it's not like it's going to get much higher but you said buying penny stocks and rashad penny is a stock i would like to purchase and i feel like that could be potentially penny on the dollar very well could be but this guy isn't a spring chicken no by no means what he's already 26 almost 27 he was in the same class as michelle and chubb i believe and he was the first rb off the board or first rounder might have been after michelle but he had some weird health issue, made him miss his first year, and then he had an ACL in there. It's been a lot, but if he returns to Seattle and they keep Russ, the running back for Seattle is going to be awesome. Yeah, and that's really, I, th- I, I don't know if there's a better spot for Penny to go back to. Arizona. Had uh, some awesome games to end the, the season, but like you said, cautionary tale. This guy's already well past the AJ Apex, and he's approaching what would be typically a decline now dealing with various injuries hasn't had tons of carries and tons of hits there's some other factors in there but as far as someone who could be had at a discount where 100 players going in a draft before him i think he's potentially worth the investment in penny stocks some of those games were against like i saw detroit and houston were two of his 100 yard games and now you know give me two worse defenses than detroit and houston i dare you you know but he was the number one running back in fantasy over like the last six weeks by a sizable margin uh we saw that with Devontae parker two three years ago um where he was the number one or number two wide receiver over the last like six weeks and it wasn't prescriptive of a breakout necessarily it was kind of a flash in the pan but if it is indicative of a true level up then you are absolutely right that is going to be a stud okay what are your strategies for rebuild versus win now are you guys considering yourself in a rebuild state at this point i would pretty much almost never be considered okay i'm just throwing this year the towel in for this year now i don't really take orphans so it's not like i've took over teams that have just been absolutely gutted by a terrible manager but Most of the time, when people are trading for what they think is an early first or they think is a late first, a lot of things are going to happen between now and then. The season's still a decent ways away. There's going to be drafts and other things. There's going to be things where a team looks great now and a couple injuries later and they're not great. So if you went into last season with uh, Cam Akers and Travis Etienne and uh, a loaded cast, you might have been thinking that you were about to blow up and then maybe you ended up being one of the top picks for this year. So at this point, I'm approaching with a win now and in the future approach, a balanced approach. I'm not necessarily going heavily all in because all it takes is one twisted ankle and then this guy that you were hoping to get one more season out of, you're going to get zero more seasons out of. 
uh, still here to the ground for value. But no, I'm not uh, rebuilding anywhere right now. How about you guys? I'm definitely not like, I'm not rebuilding and trading away veterans right now because they have almost no value. So I really, you know, I wouldn't be able to say I'm rebuilding. You know, if you tried trading Devontae Adams for much value right now, it's not, he's not worth very much to any team because you can't put up points in May or March, wherever we are. <laughs> definitely the teams that I, that I did well with last year or the year before that, you know, are still solid. I'm kind of trying to extend that window there. But I'm not really trying to, you know, I'm not buying older players right now. Henry? I think that's a good take on that is right now I wouldn't necessarily be trying to launch myself into a rebuild because that's what most people are overvaluing right now is youth. I was attempting to make a trade the other day trying to deal potential cut candidates for my team was T.Y. Hilton was one I tried throwing in this deal and the person said they had no interest in T.Y. Hilton. In that deal, I tried trading Marvin Jones. Now, I know that's someone that Iowa doesn't necessarily love. This is a perennial wide receiver three. This guy puts up 900-plus yards, 8-plus touchdowns almost every season. And he's getting up there in age. I want to say he's close to 32, maybe. But he's going to be serviceable for two more years, probably, until he hits that A.J. Green Julio threshold. And just to hear someone say that he's like a cut in a league was insane to me because... The Jaguars had the worst passing offense in the league in terms of touchdowns last year, and he still was producing. So veterans right now have no value. So to think that any team is going to be rebuilt, we had a guy in a draft, in our current draft, say that he was going for uh, Bryce Young next year. Like He was already tanking, and it's like, how do you draft so poorly that you are already just punting a season? That kind of blows my mind. I don't know if he was the one that had Davis Mills as his quarterback one, oh, but that would make sense. That might be him. <laughs> so I think it's a good time of the year to be at least hopeful that your team could compete so you rack up four or five losses. If only he got Daniel Jones in the, in the seventh or eighth or wherever he thought he was going to go. <laughs> Cut players brings up a good point. I know Iowa is famous for when I come to him for advice, he likes to try to tell me, you know, before you cut a player, at least try to get something for them. A player like Trubisky, I just got a third rookie pick. Maybe somebody would have traded or cut him. I ended up working out a trade, but cut players sometimes are good ways to get out there and at least try to get something, even if it's a late rookie pick. I mean, right now, there should pretty much be no cut players. You should be trying to roster as many players as you possibly can in case they fall into the right situation, in case they get signed by a team, in case an injury happens. We don't have to set lineups until September. A great example of that is Terod Taylor from last year. Yeah. I mean, what was he worth before he went to Houston? Absolutely nothing. Was he going to be a backup in Cleveland for Baker Mayfield? Was he going to be a backup somewhere? Mid-season last year, I'll tell you who I didn't want on my team. Marcus Mariota. Anywhere I had him, he was awful to have on my roster. It was, this spot sucks. I'm waiting for Derek Carr to get injured. Oh, look, Carr got hit on that play. Is he finally hurt? It sucked. Now in the offseason, like Noble just said, people are trading for Trubisky, Mariota. They're going in the top 15 rounds of startups right now because people think that they're going to get another chance at a starter job. There's only so many seats of NFL quarterbacks. I don't know why these guys currently have value, but they do to some people. If you can sell these weird veteran rotational bridge quarterbacks like Teddy Bridgewater last year, another good example of a sell, get rid of them while they're a starter, quote unquote, because they won't be. 
understand what you're saying there too. And in this draft, we're doing this 14 team super flex. People are desperate for QB. They're looking at their QB room. Holy cow, I have one, two QBs, tops. Trubisky went in the 11th, I think, in that draft. Mm-hmm. Well, there there comes a point where it's like, there's a chance anybody you take here in this range might not be on your roster by the time next season starts or into next season. So if you're going to be scratching lottery tickets, you want this to be a quarterback lottery ticket because you need that so desperately. But yeah, it's I'm not wanting to give up anything of value in a trade to acquire that lottery ticket that could literally be trash before you even get to use them in a season. Yeah, do not trade for Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, Gardner Minshew. Trade for none of these guys. If anyone has interest and thinks that Jim or Gardner Minshew is gonna go to the Colts because he had some relationship with Frank Reich, like sell on these weird narratives that Mason Rudolph is the successor to Big Ben because he's not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw something that was like, if the season started right now, Mason Rudolph is our week one starter. And it's like, yeah, if the season started now... Andy Dalton, QB1. Then there wouldn't be an NFL draft, and that's why that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and no free agency. Yeah. I mean, they're going to really look at, like, how much could these players possibly be worth? Let, let's say, like, you know, some crazy narrative, like Trubisky gets, you know, signed by the Giants, and... He beats Daniel Jones at a quarterback competition. I mean, what's he possibly going to be worth a late second? Yeah. And then, and then we have like 20 of these quarterbacks getting taken late in the draft. How, you know, how many how many starting quarterback jobs are available right now? <laughs> NFL expansion, going to be 60 teams next year. All these guys are starters. You can always hope and go to the XFL with Paxton Lynch or whoever it was from the Broncos. P.J. Walker. Yep. That's the big name out of there. <laughs> Noble, take us home. I got to figure out what my Twitter is again because I can't figure out how I logged in. Underscore Papa Bear Claw. That's what it is. Okay. I'll figure out how to get into that one. Yeah. They like to call him Big Papa. Underscore Papa Bear Claw. <laughs> yeah. All I right. Do... Cool. A Twitter name there, Noble GFF. <laughs> well, I saw that and I was like, wait, is that a real thing? Do I have that? <laughs> no, you should definitely claim it if it's not already claimed. I looked it up. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Knobleg GFF, what? <laughs> yep. yep, she's great, great podcast host, but that one wonky leg. Yeah, it's that one damn leg that gets me. Don't worry, I just followed Rank Draft Trade on Twitter. Third follower. Um, I oh, don't wow. really have anything fantasy football related other than finding me on Sleeper. There you go. You'll find me in the RDT uh, famous chat. <laughs> You'll find you'll find me on fans only. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's kind of been the intro. You find me on OnlyFans. Guest starring this bed behind me here. <laughs> Listen, it, was, it didn't start this way. It ended this way. That's what she said. Okay, let's wrap this up. Thank you for listening to the very first episode of the Rank Draft Trade Podcast. We hope you enjoyed everything we had to say today, and we look forward to being here for you listeners for all your ranking, drafting, and trading needs. And then you need to kind of have a cool sign-off phrase that you'll say every time. Which is what? What are we saying? On Dynasty Wire, I just said thank you for hanging with us, and Henry would always say peace out. Okay. I didn't realize I did it every time until Iowa one time. I said something different, and he's like, aren't you going to say peace <laughs> out? <laughs> But you could even say that if you want. And thank you for hanging with us in your only fans voice. Thank you for hanging with us. <laughs> 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 for another episode.
sort of only friends. <laughs> only rank draft trading. <laughs> only fantasy. My 900 number is. <laughs> what is the Twitter handle? At rank draft trade. Find us on Twitter at rank draft trade. You got to point up though when you do it. I, I know. I'm, I don't, I'm a hand talker, you guys. <laughs> I'm going to turn my camera off for this. Pinky, pinky out. <laughs> <laughs> I talk into my microphone, so I like will smack it sometimes with my hand. I'm like doing expressions and like, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're a hand talker too. Yeah. Mike, let them know where they can find you. Uh, underscore Papa Bearclaw on Twitter. Henry? According to Henry. I'm located at Clairvoyance FF. I am at Iowa in the NFL on Twitter. Find us on Twitter at Rank Draft Trade. Oh, I'm nervous about the catchphrase. So what do you what did what did you want me to say? We appreciate you hanging with us. <laughs> Stupid. No, this is forever. <laughs> this has to be the same thing. That's dumb. Change it every time. No, Iowa can't handle that. I did you fair wins. For real? <laughs> Thank you for hanging with us. That's my phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was a stupid catchphrase. Oh, you're going to give me homework.